You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. You can dig your Bibles and you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. Yes, we are into chapter 5 of 1 Peter, and so let's get into that this morning. And, um, and as we, uh, just before we get to that, take a look at this video. Ah, oh, I'm a rat. I see. Ah, okay, okay. Oh, got it. Got it. Oh, that's what that's for. Oh man, I had a good laugh over that this week, and uh, I'm sure some of you are also having a good laugh over it, and I'm sure a lot of moms out there could relate to that little instructional video, and, and as it sometimes seems, the most basic things can be so difficult, right moms? Isn't that true? Well, when it comes to the Word of God, the gospel, the good news, God's love for us in Jesus Christ... That is our hope. It is our message. The Great Commission, it's our mission that we are to be a part of. And it seems pretty basic, pretty straightforward, and yet we can so easily get distracted. We can forget it. We can ignore it. We can uh, just take it for granted or just think that somehow it will happen automatically. Or we can think it's the role, the responsibility of others. That is a big reason why the Great Commission Collective, the network that we are a part of, hosted an online plant conference last weekend. And, and it was about church planting, and, and almost 50 of, of us from Hope Kelowna joined uh, with 1,200 people worldwide in, in 12 different countries. And you even see here people from various locations for an online church planting conference. Next February, Lord willing, it will be in San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas, and I trust that many of us will be able to make that trek. Paul Tripp will be the guest speaker next year for it. And, and together at this conference, 1,200 people around the world and, and the group here from, from Hope Church here in Kelowna, uh, we, we saw, we were reminded and challenged from God's Word how we as believers how leaders in the church, how church attenders, how we are not to become stagnant, how we are not to stall, how we are not to become comfortable, that the gospel, the church, our mission, the mandate is to multiply, to see lost people saved, to see them discipled, to see leaders trained, to see elders appointed and church planters sent out, and to see this on repeat mode just to see it continuing on. And, and our mission, our mandate, it doesn't change regardless of the circumstances. You see, the local church is not to be about a maintenance ministry. It's not to be about navel-gazing. It, it, it's about multiplying for the glory of God. And for all believers, for God's children, we are called, each one of us, we are called to declare with our lives and with our lips the greatness of our God the greatness of our God who moves people out of spiritual darkness to light, from physical eternal death to spiritual eternal life. 
Our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, He takes and He replaces our shame and our guilt with freedom, with victory, and with glory. And this is a life that is available from God. God, our Heavenly Father, who is so rich in love and mercy, who, who took our sin and placed it upon His Son. He placed it upon His Son who paid the penalty of, the penalty of death that we so deserve. And He placed that all on the life of His Son. And when the Son of God died on the cross and He rose three days later, victorious over sin and death, He made it possible that all who put and place their trust, believing in faith, in Jesus Christ, and what He has done for us, can and will be forgiven. And we have the promise of eternal life. We have the promise, the seal of our salvation, with the Holy Spirit indwelling us, living and indwelling, empowering, changing us from the inside out. And together... In and through the work of the church. And the church is to be our primary connection point as followers of Christ. And together through the church, disciples are being made. Disciples are to be matured and multiplied and going forth, resulting in church planting. That statement, the mission marches on, continues. And it's something we are all in this together about. It's something that we all work and strive and pray and give and sacrifice together. Yet it's so easy to get off our mission, to get comfortable, to live our own personal vendettas, our own personal mission, or to easily slip into maintenance mode or become distracted, even to become spiritually lazy. And we need to be reminded of these important biblical truths and mandates that we have been given from God to go forth and to multiply, to see disciples made, seeing the lost saved. And I love hearing it. I heard it a number of times this past week as people were praying in conversation. I read it in print from some of our church people, and it's that statement, the mission marches on. And I just love that tagline for us as a church that regardless of what happens in our lives, what, regardless of what's happening in the world, the mission has not changed. It's about the gospel and getting the good news of Jesus Christ out there. And so as Peter is ending this letter, he's coming into the tail end of it, and it's chapter 5 now. He didn't put chapter divisions in and verses. Those were added later on for readability and for us to be able to work and study our way through. And so as he's coming to an end, chapter 5, we see this letter that was being sent out to the churches in Asia Minor and what would have been happening in those days. He would have written this letter. It probably was copied, and then it was taken and read throughout the churches. Probably hundreds of churches meeting in homes, meeting in various buildings, meeting outside, wherever there was a church, this letter was no doubt read. Because the Christians there were facing growing persecution from the Roman government. And soon it would be from society as a whole. And it was only going to intensify. And under the direction, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Peter gives instructions to the church. He gives it specifically today. The verses we're going to be looking at are to leaders, to, to elders, to pastors, and also to the congregation. And it's almost some of this back-to-the-basics kind of instruction. It's kind of like from that video, oh, okay, this is what we are to do. And some, some of it seems so simple, and we've heard it before, but yet we don't do it, and yet we need to get on board, and we need to pray and, 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 and strive to see this happening 
here at our church, here at Hope Bible Church. But you see, in the midst of the confusion, the ongoing trials, when things are shifting and changing all around us, we are so often prone to, learn, to, to lose perspective, which is the absolute worst time to lose perspective in the midst of trials and confusion. But yet, oftentimes, that's when we do. We kind of hunker down. And it's in these times we can become very prone to forget God's word and his commands to us. And we can allow emotion or instability in our own thinking or the philosophies of this world to start to rule our thinking and our behavior. And we become motivated by those things and not motivated by God's word. Now the five verses we're going to be looking at today, four of them are very directly right to elders, to pastors, to overseers. And so some of you might be thinking, oh good, this one's not for me. I hope you're listening, Meldon. (laughs) I've been listening all week as I've been working through this. I trust that, that we're all listening because we might be tempted to think, well, if four of those verses have to do with pastors and elders, I can just kind of have a little snooze here right now as, as, as I'm sitting comfortable on my couch. But no, that last verse, there, there's, there's a section in that that is for you. It's for every one of us. And, and, and it's a doozy, and so we've got to pay attention to it. And yet we see in these five verses what we are all to be praying and striving and trusting the Lord for. And we must see and realize that when it comes to the church, when it comes to the body of Christ, we're all in this together. If you are saved, if you have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, you are part of the universal church, but you are also to be part of a local church. And together we are to commit to God's word, to commit to his bride, which is the church. We are to commit and together commit our souls to a faithful God. Together keep trusting Him. Together keep praying and, and, and seeking Him in, in, in boldness and, and, and with clarity and seeking Him for direction. And we keep doing this and we keep being about the mission. And the God who created the heavens and the earth, who, who makes all things, will in His time in His way, make something beautiful, something glorious for His name's sake. And I believe He's already doing that here at Hope Church, and we have so much to be thankful for, but we still have a long ways to go. So let's read here in 1 Peter chapter 5, starting at verse 1. And it says, So I exhort the elders among you as, fellow, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's a powerful statement in God's word. And let me say this at the start. If you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, again, you need to be connected and committed to the church. To a church that preaches the word of God. 
just not any old church, but one that is proclaiming the gospel, that is proclaiming and, and understands and sees and celebrates the sufficiency and the authority of God's word. A church that has biblical elders that are overseeing the church and in return and thus overseeing your soul. I'm not talking about a church that has a board of directors. I mean, what is that? A church is not like a business organization or a corporation. Nor is the church to be run by a bunch of yes men for the pastor. Or a bunch of business people running the board or running the church. But what God's word calls us to do and to be as the body of Christ is to work towards, strive towards, to, to be a part of a church with biblically qualified men. And yes, I said men, leading in plurality, in leadership and care. Not perfect men, but growing progressively in Christ. Growing in humility, in sacrificial, loving leadership over the church. And that is what we are pursuing and praying for here at Hope. And the biblical qualifications you see there at the bottom of the screen in 1, Peter cha- or 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, Hebrews 13, as well as here in 1 Peter chapter 5. And here in 1 Peter 5, he's not addressing the biblical qualifications for eldership because he's assuming as he's writing these letters that those biblical qualifications are already in place. Now, we, look at these, we looked at these biblical qualifications a little less than two years ago in a sermon series from Titus, and we had a message in June of 2019, it was called Think Biblically About Elders, and the link is before, or at the bottom of the screen, it was also in Friday's e-news, and it will also be in the online lobby chat, because there we get into the nuts and bolts of understanding what complementarianism is and, and, and how important it is that we are a biblical church with biblical elders. And, and so Peter gives some further encouragements and exhortations when it comes to the pastor, elder, leadership in the church. And, and so these are important encouragements that just mesh so beautifully with the passages in Timothy and Titus. And these kind of things we can tend to get away from. We can ignore or just gloss over, especially when times get tough or when just we get busy. But these are critically important to the function and to the health of the local church. And we want to be, I'm sure all of us, we want to be part of a healthy church. And this week, I met with some like-minded pastors, the group that we have had some, some joint prayer meetings with on Zoom in the past. And, and we met together and spent some time sharing, but most of it was just meeting together in prayer and seeking God together. And boy, an hour of prayer, it goes by so quickly. Men uh, who, who are meeting at Kelowna Glass on Thursday, the, we've set aside half an hour to, to meet together for prayer. I think we've got to extend that. And it's amazing how on Thursday night that, that prayer time just goes so quickly as we're uniting our hearts together in prayer. And that's so important that we do that. And as I met with these fellow pastors this past week, it was just kind of sad in some ways as, as we're all so concerned as we are seeing the anger, the annoyance, and, and, and we see such deep differences and divides taking place in families and, and longtime friends and, and, and within churches locally and also nationally or universally we're seeing this as a result of COVID. 
I was also interacting this past week with some of the Alberta pastors in our network. Again, just interesting and confusing times, and and we're looking at just continuing to stand together in prayer as we just seek together with our elders God's direction for our churches. And the question, though, that we have to continue to keep asking ourselves, including the elders here at Hope, that we continue to have to keep asking ourselves in leadership, is what does it mean to be faithful shepherds of God's flock in 2021? First, before God. But then also, what does it mean to be a faithful shepherd to the church that we've been entrusted to care for and to lead? And just a little bit of an update for you. For the last eight months or so, Les Messenbrink has been sitting with our elder at our elder table here at Hope. And, and just meeting with him and, and, and gaining from a wealth of of knowledge and experience that, that he and Marla have had together in serving the local church for many years. Um, this is going in an in encouraging direction for us. As, as we take the appointment and the laying on of hands on elders very seriously here. And so be praying for Les and Marla and for God's will to be done um, here at Hope Kelowna in, 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 in regards to elder leadership there. And I trust that we'll have an update for you in the near future on that. But here at Hope, we desire to to be training and strengthening our leadership. Before and after Christmas, we had some teaching and training, uh, some teaching and training sessions with a group of men from our church, learning and trying to understand plurality and what eldership is all about. As we desire to build a strong foundation of biblical eldership and understanding what a biblical church is all about and what leadership looks like because it's a lot different than the leadership structure and styles that we have in the world. We can learn a lot of good, um, there's resources and, and things we can learn from the world, but the church is different. It's not an organization per se. It is an organism. It is, it, it is a work of God, and so it's treated differently. And we desire to see a strong foundation of leaders built here. As we believe very much that as leaders go in the church, so goes the church. And how we need to be thanking God. I thank God so often for the leaders that he has, has, has been growing and building and has been establishing here at Hope Kelowna. So thankful for our many group leaders Men and women who have a passion for people and a passion for the Word of God, for discipling. And, and, and please take, if you've never taken or if you need to retake it, you can easily do that. The Transform Leadership Training Sessions that will be taking place next Friday night as well as on Saturday. Some really important, basic, but very good teaching in, in the area of leadership and, and, and especially in relationship to, to small group leadership. And if you're interested in that, even, even if you think, I'll never be a small group leader, it'd be great still for you to be a part of that. And so here in 1 Peter chapter 5, we see all of us working and striving together. And yes, there's a big load here, a bunch of verses and some pointed statements towards the elders in the church, but we're all in this together. And the first thing we see here in, in us all being in this together is that elders are to embrace the call to lead under Jesus. Under the authority of Jesus, elders are to embrace the call to lead. 
Look at verse 1. It says, so I exhort you, I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is to be revealed. This is Peter talking. And here, Peter, he's giving an exhortation. He even says, I exhort you. And exhortation is a lot stronger than the word encouragement. It is a strong, pointed urging. And he's saying, elders, leaders, I exhort you, listen up. And, and, and he's speaking this as a fellow elder. He even calls himself that. He's not pulling rank. He easily could have. He could have called himself an apostle, a disciple of Jesus. He could have said, miracle worker, put that on my resume, I have that. Prison breaker, got out of prison, yeah, that sort of thing. No, he's saying, he's leveling the playing field and says, I'm one of you. And as one of you, here are the things we ought to do. We need to shoulder the load together, and he's speaking here as a fellow elder. And he does say, though, he says, a witness of Christ's sufferings. Now, that exactly, as you think back to that night that Jesus was crucified, that wasn't Peter's exactly his finest moment, as he was a witness pretty much from a distance that evening, having just denied Christ. But he also says a partaker in the glory. He saw the suffering of Christ, but he also saw the glory, and, 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 and this is believed to be a reference to Matthew 17, the transfiguration where, where Jesus was on the mountain, and, and Peter was there, and, and he was there for that incredible moment where the glory of God was revealed upon Jesus. What a moment, and so he's saying, he, he says, yes, there's suffering, I witnessed the suffering of Jesus, but also the glory of Jesus. And he's basically laying the framework, yes, there's going to be suffering. Elders, leaders, church, family, there's going to be suffering, but there's also going to be glory. Last week we talked about the fiery trials that we're all going to face, that we're all experiencing. And many of us have experienced fiery trials in the past, and some it's, it's, it, it's intensified in the presence, and for some it's going to even be stronger in the future. For all of us, we're going to go through this. There's going to be suffering, but there's also, when we have our faith in Jesus Christ and our hope is set on Him, there will also one day be glory. And so he's saying to these elders, he says, embrace the call to lead. Lead under the authority of Jesus, remembering His suffering, but also His glory. It will be worth it in the end. And so elders embrace the call by shepherding the flock. Elders are to shepherd the flock. Look in verse 2. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Now, the sheep and the shepherd analogy is used all throughout God's word. And it's, it's in a way that the people then, and even for us today, in what we can know and understand about sheep, um, we, we can have a good understanding and it helps us to, to, to put things in, in perspective and and, and uh, just to see uh, what he is getting at here. And Jesus is the chief shepherd. And, and what Peter is saying that under Jesus there are under shepherds, elders, pastors, overseers appointed to shepherd the flock of God. And what are shepherds to do? Well, it says here they're to exercise oversight to give oversight to the body of Christ. And one of the things we teach at our Step 2 class, 
Um, that's not an exercise class, like a step class kind of thing. It's, hey, we have step one, and that's happening uh, very soon, as well as step two taking place. And, and, and one of the things we, we inform you and instruct you and give you insight about is, is we talk about biblical eldership in, in a greater way there as well, and, and that elders are responsible for doctrine, direction, discipline, and discipleship. And that's how we see the role of an elder and, and needs to be paying attention to these. And shepherds are to give this oversight to doctrine, direction, discipline, and, and discipleship and care for, protect, feed, and lead the church. To protect and to lead and feed and care for the flock of God. Now, shepherds at times, um, they have an interesting job. Just uh, shepherds who look after sheep, at times it means they need to pull sheep from danger. Because they've been wandering off and they're, they're getting themselves into some trouble. Shepherds who care for sheep as well as elders who are to care for the flock of God do the same. To care for the hurting and the wounded. To encourage the flock and to care for the flock towards health and growth and safety. Shepherds are to be watchmen. Knowing that there are predators there are thieves and wolves out to steal or to devour. And, and maybe we don't like hearing this, but sheep, which we are in the body of Christ, the flock of God, sheep aren't exactly the smartest of animals. I mean, they're kind of dumb in a lot of ways. Uh, they're quite defenseless. Um, they, they really can't defend themselves very well. Oftentimes when they're injured or sick, they just wallow or they just give up. And they also have a difficult times at times finding their way home. It just can be difficult for them to find their way home at times. Sometimes you hear this story about dogs and cats and, and you know, dogs and cats that wander far from home. And, and somehow um, you think, how in the world will they ever find their way back home? Well, last week's online lobby before we had the family feud. We had a great time doing that, and I think we'll have a good time at the end of the service here again today on the online lobby uh, as we had family feud hope style. Uh, we had a bit of a, as we were waiting for more people to join, there was a bit of a show-and-tell session with people's pets, and the McGeechies uh, were showing some of their cats, and, and they told us about a cat that they had that went missing for a period of time, and, and after a while, they just gave up. They thought, it's gone. It's a goner. And uh, so they ended up replacing that cat with two cute little kittens. One, by the way, that is super fat right now. And, uh, and, and it, anyways, they, they replaced the, the missing cat, the lost cat, the possibly dead cat, um, with these two little kittens. But then guess what happened? The cat came back. Not the very next day, but the cat did come back. It had been missing for like two or three months, but it came back. And now they have three cats that are ruling and running their household, I'm sure, as cats do. Now, cats and dogs can and oftentimes will find their way home. Sheep, <laughs> not so much. Sheep apparently can get lost if they are just even as far as a half a mile from home. They won't be able to find their way back to the farm. And, and, and they're prone to wander. They need direction. They need guidance. They need parameters put around them. They need care. Sheep can also be really stubborn kind of animals. Sheep are also known to starve themselves 
without their shepherd feeding them. And some of you might say, well, I have a teenager like that too that would just seem to starve themselves if, if it wasn't for me providing the food and making the food and getting it out of the fridge for them and heating it up and that kind of thing. Sheep are picky. They can be super picky when it comes to uh, just water. If, if the stream is, is flowing too fast, they won't drink from it. If it's too stagnant, they won't drink from it. They're very picky. And they won't drink. And so the shepherd has to watch over all of these things. Tend to the flock. They have to be careful what they'll eat because, again, they're not the brightest animals at times, and, it, and they'll eat almost anything, even if it's poisonous. They'll just eat away. And so the shepherd has to be careful of what it is that they're putting into their mouths. And, you know, there are so many direct similarities between us and sheep, and, and I think you would agree with me on that. And one of the primary responsibilities for the pastor, for the elder, for the shepherd is to feed the sheep. And sadly, we are living in a day of great spiritual, biblical famine and illiteracy within the church of Jesus Christ and within God's people today. People open their Bibles and and yet they have no idea what, what it says or what it means or even how to properly read or study the Bible. And they just kind of give up or become disillusioned. And sadly, many shepherds are holding out a lot of candy, it seems, in their preaching or in their midweek ministry. You see, people will show up and get excited about candy, won't, candy, won't they? Take a look at this. How does this look? Hey, kids? Pretty good. Now, what would you choose if you had a choice between this and this? Yeah, um, this doesn't look very exciting, doesn't it? Except for some of you health freaks. I mean, I'm health people. Shouldn't have said that word, sorry. Uh, and, and, and some of you, I mean, you would just go crazy over something like this. Um, but let's face it, most of us would just love to be able to dig into this pot of gold, wouldn't we? For sure we would. I mean, just, just take a look at it. And, and, and you know, we, we get attracted to the bright colors and to the sugary substances that are in these little nuggets of joy. And, and so we enjoy these kind of things. And, and, um, and, and, and the thing about candy is that it's good. It, it's tasty. And you get a, a sugar high from it. And, and there's a little bump even in energy from, from enjoying some sugar. But here's the thing, it doesn't satisfy. And oftentimes that, that sugar high ends in a crash. And so many shepherds and churches today are just giving out candy. And it can at times look and appear and even feel like God is blessing the work in, in, in these churches because it's drawing a crowd. But a diet of candy won't grow you into a healthy, strong person. It's attractive, but it's not going to grow you into someone who is healthy and strong. We need a true meal from God's Word proclaimed every Sunday in our groups, in our small group studies throughout the week. In our own personal God time daily, we need to be digging into the Word of God. We need to be growing in extra-biblical studies to grow in areas of theology and, and areas of understanding who God is and, 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 and just in a greater way of taking God's Word and applying it and teaching it to others. Your elders, the staff here, your group leaders, 
at Hope Church are desiring to, to be so faithful in this area, to be faithful among you in, in this regard, in caring and in, in, in ensuring that, that, that we're eating good, wholesome teaching and truths from God's Word and of taking them into our lives and applying them. And so I encourage you, be committed to the weekly teaching of God's Word. Study, take notes, write down the Scripture verses, look them up. Go to your groups and be going to your groups prepared and ready to learn and to interact and to apply God's Word and to then share how God's Word is changing and, and, and needs to continue to keep changing and growing you into reflecting Jesus Christ in a greater way. Get into a group if you're not in one. You, we desire that everyone be in a midweek group. And if you're watching from afar or you're unable to join a group physically at this time, even locally, reach out to us. We'd love to know how we can come alongside and, and perhaps even still get you plugged in in some various areas of ministry. Carve out that intentional God time daily to be eating and feasting from God's Word. Feast from the truths of God's Word. We need this in our lives. And look at verse 2. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Proverbs 27, 23 says, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. And this oversight can mean protection from wolves, but also not just from the wolves that are on the outside, but also rabid sheep. Both can bite, and we have to be careful. And shepherds at times must be willing to take necessary risks for the sheep. And let's face it again, these are tough, these are challenging, these are interesting days. And one of the pastors that, that when I met this past Wednesday and we talked and we prayed together, one of them said, and I was kind of taken back by this, and it was like, oh boy, he might be right. And he said, I fully expect in my lifetime in Canada to go to jail for preaching God's word. These are interesting days, and elders and shepherds are to give oversight, but also we see that they are to give or, or to serve willingly, not for money or for power. Look at the last part of verse 2. It says, not under compulsion. In other words, not guilted into serving. Now, okay, if anyone else will, I will. No, not under compulsion, not, not under pressure, but willingly, as God would have you. This is something that is sought out in prayer, in wise counsel. Notice it goes on, it says, not for shameful gain, not for money, not for power, not for title, not for position, but it says, but eagerly. And it continues in verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, not leading through intimidation or manipulation. Now, there are times when sheep can get into danger, can get into trouble, and the shepherd may have to grab hold of the sheep and in the process and pinch and, and pull and even potentially hurt or injure the sheep in trying to save its life in, in order to protect it from a fall or from a predator. And sometimes when it comes to eldering and pastoring, at times there need to be tough words and the truth needs to be spoken and it can be taken as a maybe it, it, it pinches or it hurts. And there's times where a stand needs to be taken in certain areas. And that's not being domineering, it's, it's being loving. And we trust that it will be done in love when that happens. But in verse 3, it continues, but being examples to the flock. Elders are to lead by example. Lead by example in humility. 
not do as I say, but, in, in, but, but it's do as I do. Follow me as, as I follow Christ. Setting an example in prayer, in commitment, in sacrifice for their family, but also for the church. Being an example to the people in the church. And, 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 and have to understand that when it comes to an elder or pastor, there is no job beneath the elder shepherd. Whether it's cleaning toilets or picking up a mop or a shovel. And if you're picking up a shovel, make sure you're given a full shovel. Ready and willing. Elders, in a sense, are to be player coaches. Meaning at times they're going to look and smell like the sheep because they're right in there with the sheep. But they're also then standing and giving direction and guidance. It means walking with, leading by example means that, that you're going to walk with a limp. Being real. Being real in your lives. Declaring, I'm broken, and, and, and yet by God's grace, He's rebuilding me into the image of Jesus Christ. It's about continuing to grow in Christ. Not coasting or thinking, oh, I've arrived, I've made it. No, it's continuing to grow in our sanctification. We also see an elder is, is not to be motivated um, by earthly praise, but by heavenly praise and reward. Not motivated by the earthly praise or reward because that's fleeting and, and, and not long-lasting. But to be motivated by heavenly praise and reward. Look at it in verse 4. It says, and when the, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. The rewards for this kind of work are rarely found or experienced on this earth for a faithful shepherd. Remember, Peter is writing to elders and to pastors who are experiencing and are experiencing in a continued way even worsening circumstances. And it would be these shepherds, these elders that he's writing to, these elders and these pastors that would be some of the very first to be imprisoned, to be, in, to be beaten, and to even be burnt at the stake. And Peter reminds them that the eternal rewards and praise from God will be awaiting them. I heard of a pastor who had a painting in his home, and it was a, a painting of Jesus, and underneath it, it was a great reminder to this pastor, and I think it's a reminder to all of us, because the caption underneath it said, I never said it would be easy, I said it would be worth it. Serving the Lord in any capacity, oftentimes it's not easy, but we have to believe in faith that in the end, it will be worth it. And I don't know of a pastor or an elder who has served faithfully for, for a length of time who has not paid an enormous price to be faithful. If you are going to be faithful in your leadership, faithful to the Word of God, faithful in loving and leading people, you will pay at times an enormous price. And through the centuries, and even today, faithful shepherds, some will die at the stake. Some will die for their faith. Some will die for proclaiming Christ, while others will die one day at a time. Slowly, bit by bit, suffering and struggling for the Lord's work. For bad shepherds, bad elders, bad pastors... It's the easiest job in the world. But for good and faithful shepherds, it's the hardest job. For them, 
the sacrifice for their wife, for their children oftentimes. But God is faithful and he will reward. Now, some of you are starting to think, wow, that's a lot. I don't think I'd ever want to be an elder and, you know, and, 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 and that definitely isn't for me. Yet this is God's design. Faithful elder shepherd pastors within the life of the church who have faithful wives who are, are standing and encouraging alongside of them. And I've been praying as I've been working on this message and even right now that there would be a stirring, a stirring in the hearts of many of you as you listen to this call. And some of you are like, I never want that. And yet some of you are experiencing a tap on the shoulder and saying, from the Holy Spirit, and it's like, you need to rise up. You need to get hold of your leadership. You need to get hold of your Christian life. You need to spend more time in the Word. Because perhaps God is laying a calling upon your life whether that's in, in, in faithful serving ministry, whether that's a leader, a, a, a small group leader, whether that's perhaps an elder, a pastor, church planting one day. I've been praying that God would just lay a mantle, a calling upon men and their families to serve God faithfully, whether that is in a lay ministry or full-time ministry, but that God would use His Word and this important call that we would take that step. Would you pray for your leaders? Pray for the leaders of the church. Pray for courage and for wisdom and for humility because that is all so greatly needed. Pray that, that, that we would have good and faithful leadership, elders, pastors, church planters, missionaries, small group leaders, faithful servants that would continue to rise up from this church and be sent out. Let's continue verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Remember, we're all in this together, and so, secondly, the congregation embraces submission for Jesus. The elders are to embrace leadership under Jesus, but now the congregation embraces submission for Jesus. And here, Peter singles out a group of people that will oftentimes struggle with elder leadership or leadership in general, and here he refers to them as the youngers. He's talking about the younger ones, and yet, in reality, He's referring to every one of us because in our flesh, in our rebellion, in our pride, in our immaturity, let's face it, we all find submission really hard, don't we? We don't like it very much. You see, rebellion is nurtured, even encouraged in our world, in our society. And let's face it, it's from Satan himself. When, when, when he turned from being Lucifer to become Satan, don't tell me what to do, I want to do my own thing. And so rebellion is part of that sinful flesh in each one of us. And yet we are to submit to our leaders for the sake of Jesus and to be like Jesus. You see, this is where the gospel is so important. You see, we need the gospel to change us and, and to continue to remind us. You see, the gospel just doesn't save us but propels us to continue to keep living for Christ. The gospel reminds us daily that, that we are sinners that we've been separated from God, that, that we were once living in rebellion towards God under condemnation, headed to hell. But then Jesus, understanding, believing that Jesus came to this earth, God in the flesh, submitted himself to the will of the Father, submitted himself to the soldiers who beat him, who put a crown of thorns on his brow and, and, and a spear in his side and nailed him to a cross. He submitted himself to that, and he suffered and died in our place on the cross, defeating sin and death. 
And when we take and surrender our lives to Him initially and then continually in our lives, we receive the greatest gift and blessing possible. Salvation, eternal life, the seal of the Holy Spirit, the presence indwelling Holy Spirit living within us. And the gospel teaches and compels us to submit, to surrender daily to Christ, to His Lordship in our lives. And here we see that submission is something that needs to happen within the life of the church. Godly leaders desiring to care for and sacrifice for the sheep. And the sheep surrendering and following the leaders. Knowing that these leaders are desiring to love and care for them. Hope Church, I trust that you will continue to be a joy to lead. Be a joy to lead and I believe that you are. Let's continue in that. And then... Look what it says to all of us in verse last middle part of verse uh, 5. It says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Well, this is so beautiful when this takes place. When leaders and the church family are clothing themselves in humility towards one another, clothe, cover, cover yourself, your, your words, your action, your life, your thoughts with humility. You see, none of us are too low to take the lowest position because Jesus did that. Jesus, the night he was betrayed, he took and he, hours, just hours before the cross, he clothed himself with humility and washed the feet of his disciples, which was the lowest kind of job that anyone could ever do. And we are all to be humble towards one another, gentle and patient with one another. But look how this ends. It comes with a sobering warning. Last part of verse 5, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. When we gather, when we serve, when we look at others with a sense of pride, with the sense of, I'm better than you, when we have that kind of an attitude, do you know what? God opposes you. That's terrifying. God opposes us when we think we're something, when we're just strutting around and we think we've got it and we're better than others and we're self-made and we've done all this. God opposes you. That's serious. To have the God of the universe opposing you in that way. But it says, he gives grace to the humble. We will not know God's power, presence, his work, experience his freedom, his victory when there's pride in our lives and pride needs to be put to death every day. But when we seek humility and clothe ourselves with humility, we receive grace upon grace. Church, let's stay low. Let's stay low as a church. Leaders, let's stay low as leaders. Let's dress ourselves with humility. And together, let's watch God work in our lives, in our church, and in this region for his glory. Let's pray together. And so, God, I pray for each one of us who have heard your word today. God, that we would take this seriously, that we would strive and pray and work towards seeing leadership like this, loving, humble, wise leadership, and a church that desires to pray for and encourage and follow their leaders.
And God, I pray for myself and I pray for the elders and for future elders and for our church staff and various leaders in the church. God, would we follow and would we lead in the way of Jesus because we are following you and we desire to follow in those ways of Jesus. And God, I pray that each one of us, we would look at our, at our own lives and see what needs to change, what attitudes, what thoughts, what do I need to change as a result of God's word today. And God, I pray too that for those that perhaps you're tapping on the shoulder today and saying, hey, I'm calling you. I have a call upon your life. You have a call on every life, but perhaps it's to an area of leadership that right now terrifies them. God, I pray that they would have the boldness to press on, that they would um, make it known, and, and so we can walk with them and pray and encourage and help in this process. And that for each one of us, God, we would clothe ourselves with great humility because you, our Lord and Savior, have done that. Have your way in us, I pray, knowing that this hope and this help comes only from you. And even now as we sing the gospel, meet us, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.